Hello, all you reinventors. I have a question for you today. What happens when you have to take over the family business? Oh my goodness. This can be really fraught stuff. I mean, if you know anybody who's had to take over a family business, there's intergenerational issues. If you watched it on TV, if anybody watched Succession on HBO, <laughs> I mean, it can involve murder. Um, so I love, we really haven't talked much about family businesses here. This is a very old acquaintance of mine, Azra Kalfan Kermali. And um, we met at, at a Tory Burch event um, and she was just so lovely. Her, her family made plaques and I was like, plaques? Like, you mean signs and things like that? She said, yes. Um, and now it's her business, which is wonderful. And um, it's just a really interesting story. She lives in Queens. She's not the eldest child. She's female in a family that could potentially not see that as the person to turn over the business to, but she had a very forward thinking dad who um, wanted her to, to develop and become an amazing woman that she is. And um, she, she actually ended up buying the business from her family, which is so interesting. And we're talking also about the pivot in the pandemic because the thing she, most of her business was coming from awards that they would make. And guess what happened during the pandemic? No one got an award. <laughs> we got an award if we survived it, but that was it. And um, so now she's creating a second business out of the first one, um, which she can't talk about yet, but we'll see what that is. Um, but what you're gonna love is her spirit and her um, thoughts about finding yourself and being true to yourself. And how, as she says, when you figure out your why, everything else is smooth around you. So I just wanna welcome the wonderful Azra. So welcome, Azra. It's been a while since we saw each other. Yes, it has been. So maybe so let's- So much has happened. Yeah, let's give everybody a little history because um, I don't get, I don't have history with everybody. So this was, God, seven years ago when we met at a yes. Tory Birch. It was a mentoring conference. I can't really Correct. remember. Is Correct. that right? Yes. yes, yes, it was. It was. I recall very clearly. I was so new and kind of, I want to say, coming out in, in the real world. I All these years, I was always sheltered in our office. I did just stayed in my lane, if I may say. And that was when I started coming out and meeting people. And I was so comfortable in my skin. And I know I met you. And I had no idea uh, what I was getting myself into. I was so blown away after I got back into the office and I did my research. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that I got a chance to sit down with you one-on-one. -on -one. Well, that so. worked out perfectly. I so enjoyed meeting you. So let's talk a little bit about your history, where you grew up. Um, the history, because this is a discussion about a family business, which we don't often get to have. So let's talk a little bit about you, your family, and where the business came from, and yeah. the name of the business as well. Sure. Okay. So I'm Azra. My parents moved to the United States a little over 50 years ago from Tanzania. Now back home, my father had a sign business, and he was very successful. But 
it wasn't as stable as he would have liked. So he sought out to move and they landed, landed up in Queens. And uh, that's where their journey began as, you know, uh, an immigrant kind of like couple. Um, they, I wasn't born as, as of yet and uh, they were struggling. I think they tried, first my father worked with a sign company and he, he was an entrepreneur, so he knew that he had to, you know, somehow figure himself out. But I think he was just getting his feet wet. Um, the first business that they opened wasn't even a sign business. It was like a, a store, like a, a, a convenience store. And uh, I think that's when I was born. And shortly after, they decided to open up their own sign company. Um, so yeah, they opened up and I was born in Queens and they opened up their company in Queens. And ironically, a year into the business, he decided to open another company for my mom and he named it after me. And so now she was the owner of one company. He was the owner of his signed company and they worked together. One was specializing in plaques. The other was in signs. And they require more or less the same engraving equipment and all that. So everything was really under one roof, but they each had their own um, company. So I kind of grew up watching both of them um, balance the family, the community, the business. They were really into it. It was the prime time of their life. So they were putting everything into it um, and raising a family. And it was different because back home, they would have more help here. They literally had to do everything uh, themselves. And they were very passionate. They loved to live life to the fullest. So we traveled a lot. We, we socialized a lot. We were really part of the community a lot. Um, we had a very perfect balance, I wanna say. And it was really nice having that childhood. Um, but, and I wasn't even part of the business so much. So as just like being there to count stuff whenever I was around during the holidays, I usually did my homework there. And I think that's where I picked up subconsciously a lot of what was going on. And I think that was really a foundation that was being built. Uh, and, and I kind of knew that that's where I wanted, what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. So yeah, that was the what, beginning. Why signs? And when you talk about passionate about signs, you've got to explain that because most readers and listeners will be like, what? A sign? And why did your parent, why were your parents into signs? Was there any, it was just a haphazard or? No, um, actually. So my dad was a young commercial artist. He needed to make his way through boarding school. He was the eldest uh, son and there were like eight children in the family two of his sisters were married off three of them actually were married off but he really needed to help his father out uh, because they were, they were a large family and he also was very enthusiastic he wanted to learn he was gifted he had a talent in art and he's painted some beautiful portraits back in Africa of Abraham Lincoln because he comes from that era and he just loved painting and he was so good at it. But what would make him money 
is being a commercial artist. So painting for companies like on their vehicles. And um, this is before they had vinyl lettering cut out through machines. So people did things by hand. And he started painting uh, numbers on vehicles and that started making him good money. And he just kept, he was so good at what he did and he kept like going, uh, I mean, he was gaining his education at the same time simultaneously uh, through a correspondence course in England. And so he was just 100% into what he was doing. And I think he was very passionate and that's where he became a very successful businessman in Tanzania. So he used to do work for the government, for large corporations back home. He used to travel the world. When he got married to my mom, he literally took her on a four month honeymoon and traveled the entire Europe. So he had a lot of experience also like buying machinery straight from Germany and bringing it into Tanzania. This was something very innovative at that time for anyone to do. And he did it. So he was really good at it. That explains a lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Cause I'm yeah. like, how does something get into signs? So that's great. So the, the, the company your mom had, was that the one that was named after you? Yeah. So it, it was just like, so here's the thing with engraving. I I'm sure that what ended up happening is that at the very beginning, he got some inquiries on engraving plaques. Right. And so he realized that, oh, that I can open a whole new division and call it plaques by Azra. And I asked him, I'm like, Papa, why me? I'm not the eldest child. I have an older brother. And he's like, I don't know, Azra. Like he did, he had at one point, he had a name, uh, he had a company named after my brother. And it had something to do with science. But he goes, when you were born, I just looked at you and I'm like, oh no, I need to name this company after her. He's like, something happened when you open your eyes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so um, we joke about that all the time. It's like, I gave him this look like, uh, you got to do this for me. But um, yeah, so Plax was basically something where they started, you know, providing the service as in the recognition uh, and employee kind of engagement type of uh, industry. So, so he was doing that. And then believe it or not, he started getting inquiries to make a specific type of plaque, which would be serving now an entire different uh, market, which was the Muslim uh, community. And so he had another division within Plaques by Ajra, which by the way, is still, you know, running and, and doing well. And that actually is one of the only and largest Islamic award company in the world. Because realistically, nobody specializes just in that like we do. And his inspiration came from just basically on a day-to-day, -day, like remembering and being grateful to God for everything. And so he said that I want it when I, when I drink a cup of coffee, I want something to remind me of my existence. And when I'm in the car, I want something to remind me of the greater good. And I believe that he genuinely wants that reminder always around him. And he says that that's what kind of like centers him and gives him purpose in life. And so that's why he made this entire new division within Plaques by Ezra too. So he, so he what, just doesn't stop. 
And and so what are they? Because I don't really know. Are they like little, um, what, confidence boosters? Or they're, when you say... Yeah, the Muslim so, plaques. What are yeah, they? Are they phrases or poet, so, poetry or psalms or everything, everything. So there's um you could, you know, like mugs and pens and uh calendars that have a daily inspirational verse. Uh we're talking journals, we're talking, you know, uh laptop bags, anything that has a positive message to it that is kind of really focused on a acquiring knowledge like reading Quran and, you know, acquiring that type of knowledge and inspiration and then motivational. So that would be more like also in the awards. So basically making awards for children that have completed their recitations and their classes, their Sunday school classes, but they're specifically geared towards like, oh, reading the Quran. So you get an award for that. And believe it or not, uh, it, people take it very seriously. And, and when I say to you seriously, my son was in college one time and he was sitting doing his work when at the library with a bunch of guys and there was this guy who said, oh, you have to leave. I mean, ha- what happened? And he goes, oh, well, my mom's picking me up on, on my way home. And she, he's like, oh, where's your mom coming in from? And he's like, oh, she's in Queens and you know, we're going out to the island. So he said, oh, what does your mom do? And he's like, oh, she's in the awards business. And he goes, is your mom's name Azra? And he turned around and he's like, what? How do you know my mom? And he goes, well, since I was six years old, I'm collecting all these Sunday school. Oh my God, that's great. And and check this out. He loves them so much. This is funny. He saran wrapped them. And oh my God. That's great. He oh saran wrapped them. And I said, I need to get a photo of this. I need you to oh, show me the proof. And he, yes. Oh. And it so happened when I looked him up, I've been making awards for him since he was six years old and he was in college with my son. Oh my Lord. So that's people take it very seriously. Yeah. Okay. That's wonderful. <laughs> so let's talk about you then. What did you do for school? And then how did you move into this family business? And did you always expect that you would? Not at all. Not at all. Um, at the age of 18, I wanted, I wanted to be my, like my mom. So I needed a family, right. To make that happen. And I was very focused on starting my family early. I got married. I moved to Tanzania and my son was born. I, I lived there for a few years, which was a whole lesson on its own. I knew in the future, this is what we wanted to do as a family. Um, you know, come back to America and start our company. And Mohammed, uh, he was born and, you know, we went back to Tanzania. But realistically, what ended up happening is as soon as he was born, you know, something really terrible happened in, in my personal life. And I like at that time, I felt like that was my wake up call or that was my time in life where I just got pushed over the cliff and I realized that I need to, I need to do this on my own in, in a sense that like I'm on my own on this journey. I have to take care of myself. And, you know, a couple of years into our marriage, it didn't work out. I ended up coming back to the U.S. And that's when I started school 
and like when most of my friends went to school when I was 18 like they went you know moved into college I actually went to Tanzania that was a whole learning experience for me I appreciate every minute that I spent there even though it was really difficult I was always getting sick and everything um it wasn't it was a very different lifestyle, but I learned so much and I'm so grateful for that experience. Um, it made me who I am. It made me appreciate so much. And, and so you came, then you came back from Tanzania. Yeah. Did you get divorced or you yes. just separated or you, no, no, you started got, college or you started finished high school or what were you? So I basically, yes, I did get divorced and we, I ended up coming back and going to college because that was something my mom was very very um she was very fixed on that she says I really want you to get an education so she encouraged me a lot to go back to school uh as soon as I would come out I would go to the office that was our our office was more like a a place where I hung out and I just got to chill and and see what's going on you know but at the end of the day, I, I didn't even realize that I was getting such an education there as well. So, you know, I, I would help. I felt like I needed to uh, kind of like barter for staying with my parents at that time. So I would help out. And a few within a, a few years, well, actually very soon after I moved back, my brother actually decided to move out and start his own company. And I was going to school and I was helping out part-time. And then I realized that my role was getting bigger and I started doing, I started getting more involved and then I started getting needed now. Like it was important for me to be around and it was important for me to start helping my dad because he needed me. And uh, it was great because I got to learn one thing at a time at my pace while I was in school. And I felt like even in school, um, I, I, I could, you know, in, in many of my business classes, I was ahead of the game because I already knew what, what, what is required in a company and what the processes are. So I felt really empowered in that sense. And I used to enjoy doing what I was doing. And I kept getting more and more and more involved without realizing that this was my new role. So it just happened. Right. It, it wasn't like planned or right. decided upon or anything like that. Was there any issue with you being a, a girl? Did your parents, were they open to females handling the job? I guess, cause your mom already had a business. She already, right? Yeah. So my dad was, my dad has always been ahead of his game. My dad has always been a visionary, uh, someone open-minded, very, uh, he's not into this, he, you know, male and females to him he knows our place, very respectful man. And so I never had that issue with my father in, in that sense, or I never felt like I wasn't able to do something. He gave me a hundred percent confidence in that, in that sense. So I had his support. Now, there was noise all around me. I was someone who observed, you know, the, the Islamic veil. And so I kept hearing how I should not be out, out 
showing myself too much because I would end up losing the clients that my father and my mom had, or I should stay in my lane if I may say, and, and, you know, just do what you got to do and don't say too much. So I heard it from outside. Uh, I didn't feel it from inside. Like I didn't feel I was, I was being limited, but I could see that, you know, I, I heard these negative comments and I didn't know what to do with them at that time because I didn't want my parents to suffer a loss because I'm going out to meetings or, or anything like that. So I decided to just play it safe if I may. This was before Google, before someone could Google you. So this was before like, you know, any, you, you can't really go online and find a picture of Azra at that time. So I would talk to my clients. Nobody would know who I am. And it was, that's where it ended, right? You would just help them and get the job done. And nobody knew who you were or what you looked like. And um, I, I was like that for a very long time. And then slowly, slowly, I, I felt more and more comfortable getting to know people. Although I ne- my pictures were never out. I never had Facebook. I never kind of put myself out there if I may say. And then it just slowly started happening. But there was this one point, and I've spoken about this in the past, where there was a man that I met um, on a plane. And he was actually a vice president at PepsiCo. And we were sitting beside each other. And I felt something during our conversation that he said something to me that made me realize that I was actually appreciated so much for the way I maintained my my beliefs and how I wore it on my sleeve, if I may say. And he he kind of spoke about Indra Nui, who used to be the, um, the CEO at PepsiCo. And he said to me that, you know, he hosted her and he loved and respected her, um, principles and how she stuck to being a vegetarian and you know was very strict on where she would stay in her um having her place of worship and all that and it, it really and he was encouraging me to kind of like get in touch with someone at uh procurement so I felt like he appreciated the the principles that I carried with me and that he felt that I was bringing those principles to the workplace, which is something that really, really moved me a lot. It gave me so much more confidence and he didn't need to say it to me. It's just the way he explained Indra Nui's lifestyle, you know, and worth ethics that made me very um, empowered like, you know, at that time. So I think that's when I, I felt comfortable becoming part of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses applying for that. I mean, I remember my brother used to tell me apply for it, apply. And I just felt like I didn't want to. Every time I went places, I didn't know if people would want to talk to me. I didn't feel like people wanted to be friends with me because I was so different looking. And I, I really, you know, that that moment made me feel like, oh, no, it's okay. You could be who you want to be in this world and, and be okay with that. And if people want to talk to you, they'll talk to you. And if they don't, then it's really their loss if they don't want to open up, you know what I mean? Um, so I believe in that building bridges and, 
and breaking down that, those walls, even though you can't see them. So when did you actually, have you taken over the business completely? Maybe explain that a bit, sure. where yeah. we are now. And as we moved into the pandemic and everybody had to oh, yeah. pivot, as you said, it's painful. <laughs> I had to pivot. Everybody has to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I started off uh, I, I, I think we had like a problem in terms of Hurricane Sandy and we needed a loan. And I took the loan from a micro lender at that time who I felt it was a little expensive to take that loan, but he conv convinced me because he brought up the name Tory Burch Foundation. And I was like, ooh, you know, for a second there, you know, um, I was like, well, that would be interesting, you know, a network for women. And he promised me a few things, which, by the way, within a year's time, he delivered on all those promises. So that was one of the best decisions I made to be in touch with that CDFI. So um, is that how was that a loan you took from them you, or yes. you, from the foundation? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was basically a, a micro loan that I had taken from the CDFI. But the funding really came from the foundation. And so. Uh, a week or two later, he invited to, me to my first networking event, which I went to. And within no time, I was invited to the one where you were mentoring me. And when I met Tori Bird, she asked me what I was doing. And she encouraged me to apply for the 10,000 Small Business Program. Because what the foundation does is they empower women by giving them access to capital, access to business education that's relevant, and a very good network. And as you can see, all of those things have been checked out, right? Um, so I took her advice. I applied for the program, even though at that time I wasn't the business owner. I actually had letters from my parents stating that I was the one making all the decisions, that I had a future with this company, and both my parents signed off on it. And I knew that I was going somewhere with that. So uh, after doing the program, they kind of, kind they did make me aware of the fact that it was important for me to, you know, figure out the legality in terms of the, the company, especially because I was invested so much into it already. Um, my husband was also very, um, I remarried. My husband was also very supportive in that sense. He's a great entrepreneur, but one thing he always believes in is making sure, and a lot of men do this, all their paperwork is always up to date and in order. So he said, he used to also encourage me, you need to fix everything up so that you know where you, where you stand. And I, talked to my parents. They were very supportive. I explained to them that I would buy the company from them. That was my proposal. Um, so it would be fair on my other siblings. And they agreed. We, we negotiated a price. They accepted it. And I said to them, look, this is merely paperwork. You guys are always going to be at the top. And I want you to know that. And I've tried my best to keep it that way. Whereas they know what I'm doing. They know where this company is going. They they hear, they see, they, they're, they're involved. You know, I tried to make that transition very kind of like it was just a matter of paperwork. Everything really remained the same. So that's that's where I became now the owner. And the how company. long ago was that? This was about four or five years ago. Okay. 
Great. Yeah. And so let's talk about the pandemic. So how has oh. everything been going up until then? And was there any, <laughs> anything that you brought to it, Azra, that was different um, in terms of were you doing anything that you thought was particularly innovative that was taking off? And then, and then go on and talk about what happened in the pandemic. Yeah, so right after I started the 10,000 Small Business Program with Goldman Sachs and my involvement with the Tory Burch Foundation, I did feel that I was at a whole new ballgame. Everything was very different. Networking became a priority, okay? Uh, building bridges and building relationships became very important, as important as delivering a job. Before, it was very, how do I say, like automated, like work would come in, it would go out, we wouldn't go to, you know, we wouldn't even bother knowing more about our clients. And that changed. And when that changed, I started doing more business with my clients because now I knew them. I knew what their needs were. So in that sense, I grew up also. And I also learned uh, about relationships. And I, I started, I kept in touch, like just the way I always try to keep in touch with you. I did that with a lot of my clients and, and it came from a very sincere place. And I think that it's felt that way too. When they, when they hear from me, they know that it's just not like making a call for business. It's more like, I really do care. And um, I actually, I love it because it means so much more. Like I've been working with some clients for like 20 years now, but that that makes them my business family or you know and the same goes with our suppliers and our employees you want to have those strong relationships with people because that makes you more i think that gives you a better uh, advantage if i may say and um and so business was doing good yes i don't know how to tell you this but like in 2019, I had to move away and I was gone for almost a year. I was living in Dubai because I had to be with my husband and it was like almost like an emergency type of situation where I didn't realize I was going to be gone for so long. Um, that was tough. But what that did for me is that kind of already set me for the pandemic. Uh, I was working remotely. A lot of people didn't even know that I was not around. I missed a lot of networking events, but I was in touch with everyone. In 2019, I also was honored um, with the award of integrity by the micro lender that gave me that loan during Hurricane Sandy. So I did come back to the US for a bit, but uh, it was very brief. And I, while I was here, I did attend a few networking events because it was important to show that I'm still, you know, part of the business and I and I missed working with the company during that time like in the in the workspace I really really was missing it a lot I realized in 2019 that I realized how much the company meant to me and how much being in my office is actually a, a, a sense of joy for me like it brings me so much happiness to serve my clients. I didn't realize that until it was taken away from me, like until I was taken away from the uh, company uh, for, for a whole year. So when I came back for actually the summit, the Tory Burch, 
Terry Birch Foundation had a summit in March, right before the pandemic, I kind of got stuck here. So I wasn't expecting that and it happened, it happened and I'm okay with it. I was so happy that I was able to be around my family also during the pandemic because that would have been not a good thing, especially with so many people uh, getting sick. I was glad that I was around my parents to be able to support them and, and kind of like help them out in this time. And working remotely wasn't difficult because I was already used to it from, from uh, 2019. So um, I kind of like was okay. Everything was set up for me anyway. However, there were no clients calling. Graduation season was entirely canceled. You know, I wouldn't dare even call a client to ask them if they needed awards because I knew what was going on. I mean, this is a global pandemic. So I immediately thought about creating the signage, like emergency signage for the pandemic, right? So I, I called up a few hospitals that I had relationships with, but nothing was coming through any, any of these channels. And I wasn't doing anything at that time. And it's, it's at that point where I realized that I just need to be still for a minute. And maybe this is happening for a reason and just take it in as it's going, because I'm not the only one anyway. And, you know, the prior year, it was so difficult for me to, to be a full-time like housewife, but I took it in and I accepted it. And so now I'm like, oh, and now I have to accept being this, you know? And so that made it a lot easier for me. Although it was scary, I didn't know what was going to come of it. And I think that I, I was very involved. I would go to all these webinars that were out there. I was very grateful that I actually knew that these networks are so valuable. Because when you're in a problem and it was like almost my extended you know, family, I, I, I was hearing inspirational um, people talk about how they're pivoting. And so it kept giving me ideas and all that. And the pivot that I did initially on making PPE and emergency signage, that wasn't happening. Like, I just, it didn't go well at all for me. Um, and I was just like hoping, okay, the awards business is going to come back, but it's not gone, but it's going to be a while. People are, you know, um, people have bigger problems to deal with right now. So awards is not really on the top of their priority list. So um, I think it was in November where I was helping some of my clients with their holiday gifting and because we do customization so I started working I kind of like asking them if they had needs for that and that's when I got this idea of creating an employee engagement well I don't want to say I have an idea but I was advised in the past to do employee engagement and what I ended up thinking of is doing an employee engagement that would be more um catering to the need of, of solving the issue of diversity and inclusion. And so that's where I came up with this idea. And that was in late November, November and December. And I started kind of pitching it, soft pitching it to a few people. And it wasn't really going anywhere. Like I didn't get any clients, but what it did do to me is like re make me realize that I need to actually create a whole new brand 
and market it well and kind of because I, I see the interest is there, but it had to be packaged properly. And so I'm in the middle right now of putting that together. And without sharing too much, I can say to you that this product and service is there to to do a few things. Number one, it's a, it's there to help other small businesses because I'll be kind of like curating products from other small businesses. So I want to kind of make an immediate impact, uh, an economic impact to minority-owned, women-owned, and local small businesses. The second thing is it's going to help with the diversity and inclusion. We want to kind of like make learning about other cultures fun without making people feel like they're learning something and kind of like just putting it out there where they're able to experience and engage themselves in in a cultural uh, experience, if I may say. And I definitely, now that I'm creating something new, I definitely want to have the the, um, giving back kind of Mm -hmm. model. So Mm -hmm. with every box or or package that I end up selling, I definitely want to give back to a foundation that has Mm -hmm. helped me in the past, because Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to keep that network uh, strong. So, okay. So you're in the middle of that. That's great. I love it. I mean, you know, all these things, everybody's pivoting. So if it helps you to feel better and we're all, (laughs) people are throwing spaghetti against the wall. I'm going to have to see what happens. And nobody knows, nobody Mm -hmm. has any answers. So as we're moving towards the end of this, um, why don't we talk a little bit about if there are other people who are listening to this and they're trying to um, figure out a how they maneuver through a fam- taking over a family business. It sounds like it was pretty smooth for you, unlike a lot of people. Um, it's not that smooth. I don't know if you have tips or tricks for that. Um, and then the other thing we can talk about is pivoting in in the pandemic. So do you want to talk a little bit about, are there any sort of words of wisdom about taking over a family business? Yeah. So I don't want to say that it was um, completely without any hiccups or anything. Um, I, I have, let's just say that I've tried to make it as smooth as possible. And I believe to being fair is really important. Um, I always... One thing that I, I believe I did and is, is I, I gave myself a fair, um, you know, whatever work I put in that equity, I, I owned up to that. And I said that, you know, I have put in a lot for this company. So I do deserve to, to buy this company over. Nobody's doing me a favor. I worked for it. Uh, I want to say in terms of a misconception that I also see is that maybe people think that I got everything on a golden platter. I actually didn't, you know, I, when you're dealing with family, there are the ups and downs. What I did is I took the ups and I ran with it. What I took is all the goodness and I made the most of it. I tried to solve as many as problems I could. And I think that whatever I did, I did it with so much love and purpose. And the purpose is what made me successful in that sense. 
to, to be where I am today. It's because I was always grateful to serve my parents. So for me, that is the biggest win. Um, I feel like when you figure out your why, everything else is really smooth around you because you're, then you're living your life with, with a sense of meaning. And it's not just the mundane. And um, so that's one thing that I, I want to share that you really want to get your purpose together. Um, in terms of the pandemic and, you know, everything that's going on right now, whether it was like my 2019 crisis, like I want to call it, um, I feel like you got to believe that everything happens for a reason. And I always first I believe in God for me that's everything and then believe in myself too like whatever happens is almost like you know it's happening because I can handle it and um there's a, there's this verse that I always love is like you know God shall never place a burden on anyone more than he or she can bear and so when I'm going through these tough times, I'm just, I have that in the back of my mind. Well, I'm only going through this tough time because he knows that I can take care of myself. So I need to take care of myself. I need to believe in that and believe in myself. And when you do believe in yourself, really, you can make so many things happen. Instead of worrying about what you can't do, worry about what you can do or believe in what you can do and you'll get over that hump. Um, we're not alone. We're together. And I believe uh, building these bridges is so important and keeping these connections and, and the sisterhoods and all these friendships and uh, networks, they have really been of great value to me. I cherish them. I cherish relationships with clients, with suppliers, with employees, um, because together is how we can move forward stronger. So that is really important to me, uh, to surround yourself with strong people and, and good people and good networks and all that. So these are some of the tips that I really... Great. Yeah. That's great, Azra. Congratulations. I love the story. And Tanzania, I had no idea. We never discussed that before. <laughs> so I was like, did I get that right? <laughs> she said yes, that. That's incredible. Yes. Welcome to Zanzibar. Welcome oh to my Korea God. with Tanzania. We just had our first woman president into wow. office. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. Well, Azra, thank you so much. And where can people find you and see your business and see your plaques that you make in case they need them or they just want to find out more about you? Yeah, so you're welcome to visit our website, uh, www.azra.com. There's an About Us page, but there's also going to be our new division up there soon. So keep an eye out. And on Instagram, I'm at Plaques by Azra. Wonderful. Yeah. Great. Azra, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Leslie. Thank you all for listening to Reinvent Yourself. I hope that you're inspired by Azra's story. And if you are, please take a subscription. It's free. And come follow us also over at Covey Club. We are setting the world on fire. We have got a group of women who I am telling you are so amazing, so fantastic. 
and so warm and welcoming. We have people graduating from Covey Club because they found their next thing already. It's only been three years and people are already cycling through and they're on their way to their reinvention and what they want to do next. And they found it with us. Um, so I think there's an opportunity for that for you too. It's www.coveyclub.com. And I also want to tell you about, I have a new fantastic thing I'm giving away on the site. You go to the page that is called 31 Badass Reinvention Tips and Tricks. And you will be able to get my special download. I'm really excited about it. I have been studying reinvention for over 10 years because More Magazine was all about reinvention as well. And reinvention's not easy. And you do need some tips and tricks. I don't want you to be out there stranded by yourself. So go over to www.coveyclub.com and look for 31 badass reinvention tips without fear and pull that down. You get to have it for free. That'll get you started. There's some links in there to stories we've already printed so you can flush out what you're thinking. And then I hope you'll come join us at Covey Club. So come be part of the Covey Club and we will see you again here next time. Take care.